One Life, are you with me this morning? Do you guys mind praying with me? All right. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for everyone that has decided to be here and watching online. Lord, I just pray that today's message, God, not just speaks to the good things in our heart, but also to, to challenge the things that need to be changed, Lord. Lord, we thank you for our brother and sister on our left and our right. Thank you for creating a space. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you continue to move freely in us and through us. Fill up the space and allow it be not my words, but your words, Lord, that I preach today. That we may stay focused on scripture and that we can leave here different and changed and be able to celebrate with each other later on today. Uh, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Man, so as you guys know, we have been studying and going through the series of this is, this is, not the Bob Marley song, the Bible love. No, no Bob Marley fans, huh? All right. So this is love. We're, we're studying 1 Corinthians chapter 13, specifically verses 4 to 7. So if you guys are with me, grab your Bible. If not, there should be a Bible in front of you. And we're just going to dive into that. You guys ready? All right. It says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own ways. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things, endures all things. Amen. So we're going to be focusing on verse 5 today. It says, it does not insist on its own ways. It is not irritable or resentful. The NIV version says, it is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongdoings. So today we're going to go through those three specifically. Love does not insist on its own ways. Love does not insist on its own way. I think this morning we could all agree that we love loving people the way we love to love. Does that make sense? We love to love people the way that we want to love them. We continue to insist on loving the way that we want to love sometimes instead of loving people the way that they need to be loved. So if you're like me, you grew up in a Hispanic household, and if you're also a human, you made mistakes. Yes? I don't know. It may not be everybody. But I remember when I did something wrong, I would either get grounded or I would be disciplined the good old uh, Proverbs 23, verse 13 and 14 way. So if you know what that verse means, that's great. If you don't know what that means, I'm going to leave it for homework. But that was the old school, you know, Proverbs 23 way. And my mom's here today. Now she's looking at me like, uh-oh, what's he about to say? And I remember getting in trouble, disciplined, and I would either go into my room and go into my bed and cry or I would go just to my bed which is not necessarily always in a room. Now, if you understood that, you know, you struggled. And if you don't understand that, good for you. But I remember being in my bed, and I remember crying, and I'm, like, and I'm mad. I can't believe they just hit me for that. And I remember just being upset. Like, you know when you're, you're planning in your room, like, all right, this is it. Today's the day I'm leaving. I'm not coming back. I'm packing my toys, my Game Boy, and my favorite games, and I'm leaving. And you're so angry. You know when you're so angry, you just start crying out of anger because you can't do anything? Well, I remember that too. And I remember just being in my room and then being so tired of crying that I would just fall asleep. And then all of a sudden, after a couple hours, I'm sure, me crying and I'm waking up to these boogers and these tears, my bed's all wet. 
I hear a knock, and there would be a voice. Hey, are you hungry? Dinner's ready. Come to eat. At times, parents, and I'm, I'll be a parent one day, and I'm sure I'm going to go through it. There was no, I'm sorry, right? There was no, you know what? I was wrong. And honestly, 95% of the time, I, I definitely was wrong. You know, I definitely was at fault, and I should have been disciplined. But for the 5%, sometimes we grow up in a culture where we can't say, I'm sorry. So we say, hey, there's food. <laughs> hey, you know, I know you're hungry. You've been crying all this time. I heard you crying, and, you know, there's food. But is that not love insisting in its own way? Is that not love saying, hey, I can't say I'm sorry, but I know that I want to love you this way because it's easier to deflect the truth that maybe I did make a mistake. So as I was going through today's message and just reading this, I thought about that moment, about the I'm sorry. Now, as you guys all laugh at my pain, which I'm sure you guys enjoyed, we're either receiving love in a form that we do not want, or insisting on giving love in a way that nobody else wants. You see, when you love the way God loves, you do not insist and go against how to love. See, when you love the way that God loves, you start to understand that the way that God loves, a, a love that is not self-seeking, right, a, a love that doesn't look to love the way you want to love is a selfless love. Have you told your neighbor, I love you selflessly? A selfless love, right? A love that doesn't look at me, but it looks at the other person. It's a love that removes you from the equation, right? It's a love that says, you know what? I want to love so-and-so this way, but instead I know they need this kind of love instead. I know that they're earning, yearning for this kind of love. So instead of loving them with the food, I'm going to love them with the I'm sorry. Instead of loving my wife with washing the dishes, I'm going to love them with the I'm sorry. Because right? we, we'll try to do anything as human beings to love people the way we want to love. Because it benefits us. Right? Because it's convenient for us. And let's be honest, because it's easy. And if it's easy, we want to do it because we struggle to be selfless. Let's look at the definition of self-seeking. It says, having concern for one's own welfare and interests before those of others self-serving. Any husbands in the house? Wow. Any proud husbands in the house? Because only two of them raised their hands. Now, how many times, husbands, have you come home after a long day of work, tired, beaten up? It's dinner time, and you know, listen, hey, my wife has also had a long day of work. Uh, you know, the kids have been crazy. Let me help her out with dinner. Let me help her serve dinner. Let me help her wash the dishes. Because that could be very difficult too, right? But how many times have we said, let me do it not because I want something in return or because I want a pat in the back, but because I just want to help selflessly, right? It's about being intentional about the way you love, right? Because I'm sure there's many husbands here, like me, who will say, hey, I'll wash the dishes. And then, you know, at the end, I hope to, you know, receive the gift of God. <laughs> and if you're married, you know what the gift of God is. But it's about being intentional with the way you love. It's about being selfless with the way you love because you're not worried about what you get out of it, but how it's going to help someone else. 
It's about being an other-centered person. Do you know those people, those people that no matter what's going on, no matter what's happening, they, they're looking at ways to help others, not worrying how it's going to inconvenience them, not worrying about how it's going to be uncomfortable to them, right? That's an other-centered person. And then there's those self-centered people, right? Do we, do we know those people? If you don't know, you might be it. And I say that because I know I could be very selfish. I could be very self-centered. I'm not sure how exactly Pastor Isaac decided to give who what week to preach. But this would have been the week that I would have been so okay with, hey, you know what? Why don't, hey, Pastor Justin, why don't you take this one? I think you know how to speak on this a little bit better than I do. Because these are things that I've struggled with my whole life. Being self-seeking, seeing how to love people conveniently. And then being selfish and just being self-centered and not being selfless is things that I continue to struggle with to today. So if you're sitting there today wondering, how is this guy even preaching on this Sunday? It's because the God that I serve loves and has grace for me that oversees any logic. And if you're here today wondering, am I good enough? Like Pastor Isaac says, no, you're not. But God is and that's all we need. So here we are learning about this self-seeking love and how love is not that. And I'll admit, you know, there, there's been moments where... I'll, I'll do what's convenient for me. I'll do what's easiest for me. And I'll shy away from serving others because I don't have time. It doesn't fall in my schedule. If you're like me also, you're one of those people that like to plan everything. You even want to plan when you're going to help someone. And if, you know, someone gives you a last minute call, hey, man, I need to move. Ah. You, sure, you sure you got the right number? Yeah, man, I need you. All right, all right. Let me pray about it. And that's how you know it's enough, right? Let me pray about it. That's self Selfish. And here God is saying that love is not self-seeking. Tell your neighbor, love is not self-seeking. Man, it's so easy to love the way we want to love, right? You guys heard me say it once. You guys will hear me say it a bunch of times. I love gifts. That is one of my love languages, gifts and words of affirmation. If you could tell me, hey, here's a gift. I bought you this coffee. I got you this water. I, whatever it is, I love it. Oh, man, you thought about me. That's, that's the way I love. And that's the way I want to love others. Oh, you're feeling down here. Let me buy you this. Oh, you're feeling upset here. Let me help you with this. Let me give you this. Or words of affirmation. I love words of affirmation. Oh, Marlon, you're having a great hair day. Oh, yes, glory to God. <laughs> Lord, won't you do it? Marlon, you're preaching killed, man. I don't know what happened, but the Holy Spirit was moving. Amen. Praise God. You know, you got to be humble. You know, that humble. I would love to be able to love someone like that, but not everyone likes that. It's funny because I was talking to my wife about this, and I told her, isn't it interesting that the most irritated person in the world, me, is married to one of the most resentful people in the world, you. <laughs> and she laughs and chuckles because, let's be honest, married people, right? Doesn't it usually work that way? It's usually one or the other. And we chuckled and we're like, this is all God because only God will do this. God works in mysterious ways. And we were just discussing that and just talking about how God wouldn't give us what exactly we are. Because if I had married someone that always wanted gifts, we would be broke. Buying each other gifts here and there, competing with each other, getting the best gift. Or if we always, you know, were giving words of affirmation, we'd be so tired of hearing it, we wouldn't believe it. Or my wife, she loves quality time and acts of service. Acts of service. God, why, Lord? Acts of service. That is the hardest thing for me to do. As I stand here today, no jokes, acts of service is one of the hardest things for me to do. But God has been molding me and working in me. 
But then I, t- I think to myself, if it was all acts of service, we'd never get anything done. If it was all quality time, we would never, need, never get to where we need to go. Because we'd be wasting too much time not doing what God is calling us to do. Because we, all we want is quality time. See, this love that God calls us to do is not self-seeking. It does not insist on itself. There's a purpose for God calling us to love this way. Amen, church? Love is also not irritable. Any people here, like I said, they get irritated easily? The the, the other version says that love does not anger easily. And as I was thinking about this message, I was like, man, I get angry sometimes fairly easy, depending on who it is, of course. If you're here for the first time, I'm not going to get angry. If you're here the second time, perhaps. That's a joke. But there's some people that in your life you know will always anger you no matter what. I have a brother. He's not here today. I'm not going to mention his name, but if, if you know him, you know who I'm talking about. And we could be hanging out. It could be all cool. The moment he says one thing, I snap. You guys have those people in your life that you just snap? I don't know if it's been the t- Someone's raising their hand back there. I do. I think it's my brother too. And you just snap and you just don't have patience, right? We start off talking about love is patient, love is kind. And all of a sudden you lose this patience and this kindness for that person. And now you're easily getting irritated. And you're getting angry. Or you know those people that are just angry at themselves all the time? You know, like, why are you mad, bro? It's like 7 o'clock in the morning. What are you so upset about? (laughs) No, I didn't like how my bed, you know, felt last night. So get a new bed. But let's be honest. There's people that are always angry, always irritated. And they're struggling with something within themselves. That gets them irritated. So what does that mean? The Bible says that love is not easy to anger. Right? So there's a radar. There's an indicator in your heart that if you're easily getting angry, there is something that you need to bring to the Lord. Lord, search my heart. Lord, why am I so angry at this person all the time? Lord, why is it that, that I can't love this person so easily? Why is that neighbor that drives into my driveway so harshly just to back up into their driveway? Always do that. It nurks me. That's a little personal. <laughs> or why is that coworker always bringing the reports late and now I have to do extra work? Or why is that student in my class such a bully and I, and I have to love that person? Why am I getting so easily angered? And that's okay to be angry, right? The Bible says be angry, but do not. Ephesians 4. 26. Be angry, but do not. So you're going to be angry with your sibling. You're going to be angry with your spouse. You're going to be angry with your friend. You can be angry with your boss. But do not. Do not sin. By all means, be as angry as you want. You want to be mad? Go ahead. Be mad. But don't take it further than that. I want to look into the scripture. And I want you guys to come with me to Numbers 20. Numbers chapter 20, verse 2. And I want to see what happens when you get easily angered. I want to see what it looks like when anger acts out. Let me know when you guys are there. Just say amen. Amen. It says, now there was no water for the congregation. And they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. So this is what's happening right now. The people of God have just been freed from Egypt. They're wandering the desert. They're looking to get to the promised land. And they've come to the point where there is no more water. So they're frustrated and they're complaining to Moses and Aaron saying, hey, guys, we have no water for ourselves or for our livestock. And so what happens? It says, and the people quarreled with Moses and said, would that we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord? And it says, 
Why have you brought the assembly of the Lord into the wilderness that we should die here, both we and our cattle? And, we have, and why have you made us come out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? The people of God are complaining about why have you taken me out of slavery? At least in slavery, I was able to eat, I was able to drink, I was able to, you know, farm the land. They're complaining to Aaron and Moses. And it says, and why have you made us come out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. So Aaron and Moses, like great leaders, what did they do? They saw that people were upset, people were, you know, getting aggravated, people were not having water. And what they did as great leaders, they went to the Lord. So they go up to the Lord, to the meeting tent, and fell on their face. <clears throat> and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And it says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take the staff and assemble the congregation. You and Aaron, your brother. And tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. And Moses took the staff from the... Uh, from before the Lord as he commanded him. Verse 10. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock and he said to them. And listen to how he says it. He says, hear now you rebels. Shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice. And water came out abundantly. And the congregation drank and their livestock. Did anyone catch what just happened? Moses, in his aggravation, in his irritation, in his anger, disobeyed the Lord. See, the miracle still happened because God is so good. But he disobeyed the Lord. He was clouded by anger. What did the Lord say? Moses, tell the rock to yield water. And Moses goes ahead and strikes it twice with the staff. And what does the Lord say after that? And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. These are the, water, these are the waters of Meribah where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord and through them he showed himself holy. Moses had just struck the rock because he was angry at the people that was rebelling against him. And in striking the rock with the staff, you know what that told God? You don't believe in my word. You believe more in the staff that I gave you. Because us humans, do we not always believe in what we have in our provision over the word of God? And you see, what happens is that the enemy will go ahead and try to get you to focus on what the Lord has given you instead of his word. Oh, Lord, you gave me this good job, so I'm going to go to work on Sunday instead of be serving you on Sunday. Lord, you gave me these kids, so I'm going to give them everything they want and ask, but I'm going to forget to bring them to your holy place. Lord, I know you gave me this staff, so I'm going to use what you gave me because I'm so angry that I'm going to strike the rock instead of just speak to it. Moses is saying, Lord, my anger has overtaken your word. Church, don't allow your anger to take your blessing. Don't allow your anger to cloud your faith. Don't allow your anger to forget you, to forget, to make you forget how to love. Right? 
Love does not easily get angry. When you love like the Lord, those moments don't happen. Because let's be honest, have we ever not been so angry that we say things that we don't mean? Do things that we shouldn't have done? Instead of just be angry, but do not sin. We're being reminded today that the love that the Lord is asking us to give and to, and to show others is not self-seeking and it does not anger easily. Why? Because we as humans tend to be easily selfish and get easily angered. Look at your neighbor and say, don't get angry at me. Too many times we avoid a simple apology because we're too angry. Too many times we have distanced ourselves from relatives because we're too angry. Yes? Too many times we have decided to, to pick on someone at work because we don't like them. That's it. We're too angry. Instead of just speaking and living out the love that the Lord is calling us to live today. Too many times we allow our anger to build resentment. And today we are reminded that love is not resentful. A version says that love keeps no records of wrongdoings. Finally, one that I can't relate to. I do not struggle with keeping records of wrongdoings. But I'm sure there's people here that do. And I'm sure I have in the past. And if there's one thing I've learned about people that keep records of wrongdoing is that they have horrible memory. Horrible memory. People that are resentful get hysterical. Don't get hysterical. They get historical. You know what I mean? There's people that have, once again, horrible, horrible, horrible memory. They don't even know what they ate for breakfast. But all of a sudden you drive, that, or drive around that one restaurant that you went out on a date with your ex back in 2011 at 3.03 p.m., and all of a sudden now nobody wants to drive around that restaurant for a 20-mile radius. Whoa, relax. How's that happen? Because with that resentment, right, it builds up. There is no forgiveness. See, resentment takes the place of forgiveness. And where resentment abides, there is no room for forgiveness. Some of us are battling resentment for years, perhaps even decades. Some of us are resentful with ourselves. Some of us haven't been able to forgive yourselves for something that you did in the past, for something you did do in the past, right? And then there's others that are resentful towards family members, friends, coworkers, spouses for years because of things that have happened to you and you have yet to be able to forgive. Some of us need to start letting go of resentment and start clinging on to the love of God. Any resentful people here today? To be honest? Or just, you know, characteristics. You know, you tend to be resentful. Today we're going to pray about that. And then we're going to pray with you. Because where there is forgiveness, there is freedom. You understand that, right? Because the enemy wants to chain you down to those thoughts. The enemy wants to bring you down and make you not be able to be who God is calling you to be not allowing you to love the way that God is calling you to love because you're enslaved in that resentment. You're enslaved in that lack of forgiveness. That what there is forgiveness, there is freedom. And I want to conclude with this. And I'm just going to ask the, the band if they could come up. I think I could sit here and, and, and talk about resentfulness for, for years. 
Talk about easily being angry for years. Talk about being selfish and self-seeking for years. Because let's be honest, it's very easy to talk about that stuff. What's hard sometimes is to acknowledge the way that the Lord is with us. What's hard sometimes is it's, it's being able to see how God has shown his love for us. Right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Right? So for whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God being God, loving his one and only son, gave him up for us. Gave him up for you, for sinners, for people. I, I mean, I'm no parent, but I would never give up my child for someone that, that, that has done harm to me, that has talked bad to me. It would be very difficult. And yet God did that out of selfless love, right, out of not being angry so easily. John chapter 21, you don't have to look it up. John chapter 21 talks about the third encounter that Jesus had with the disciples after the resurrection. It talks about seven disciples that perhaps had given up, had lost hope, were discouraged, perhaps even just hungry. But they decided to go back to what they used to do, their old trades, which was fishing. Remember what Jesus said when he encountered them first? You will no longer be fishermen, but fishermen of men. But they went back, and as they're fishing, they're, they're tired, they're, they haven't caught anything, and, and from a distance, 100 yards away, there's a figure that says, hey, throw the net to the other side. And them being curious and being, you know, we got nothing else to lose, they throw it to the other side, and all of a sudden, they start catching fish, and fish in abundance. It says that the net couldn't hold any more fishes, 153 fishes to be exact. And as Peter looks... From a distance, he says, wait a minute, that's Jesus. He dives in head first. The same Peter that first told Jesus, Lord, if it's you, tell me to walk on water. Now is diving in head first because he understood that there's a Jesus that still loves him. And as he's swimming and the other disciples are coming back and getting to where Jesus is, Jesus is there with open arms, making them breakfast, having fish already cooked, welcoming them back, saying, it's me. And if you guys know anything about Peter, Peter denied the Lord how many times? Three times. And I'm sure feeling guilty, feeling hurt, feeling ashamed. Thinking, man, how is Jesus going to love me? I'm super selfish. Oh, how is Jesus going to love me? I get angry quickly. Oh, Jesus must be resentful because I gave up on what he told me to do. And Jesus goes ahead and tells Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know I do. And Jesus says, tend my sheep. Feed my lamb. Tend my sheep. You know what Jesus was doing in that moment? Instead of pointing the finger and saying, Peter, you denied me. Peter, you threw everything I showed you out the windows, all those years of friendship, all those years of ministry, all those years of praying for people, all those years of miracles, you threw it out. Jesus, instead of being resentful, he said, tend my sheep. He reaffirmed Peter because he knew Peter was down. And that's the love of God. The love of God does not point fingers back at you. It does not make you feel horrible. It does not keep record. It does not irritate easily. It does not seek its own self just like Jesus Welcoming back his disciples. God is reminding you today, the love that I have for you is the same. It's the same yesterday. It's the same today. It's going to be the same tomorrow. 
I need you to love like I love you. I need you to echo the way I love you. I need you to resonate in your circles, in your work, in your schools, at your home. How how does Jesus love me and how can I love like that? Because this is love. Church, if that's been you, if you've been struggling with resentment, if you've been struggling with forgiving yourself or someone else, if you've been hurt, if you've been someone that always holds on to those things and never lets them go and, and tries to keep people by the hook, Because you say, hey, I remember back and back. Instead of letting that go and moving forward, why don't you stand up with me today? I'd love to pray with you. 